to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I want to get into a few things here from last week, a couple of articles to read through, a number of topics to bring up, and a couple of audio clips as well. First of all, I want to revisit this Michigan school shooting because, again, unfortunately, sort of in lockstep here and remarkably predictable, um, their politicians are already moving toward gun control, quote-unquote, as a response to what occurred, which, of course, was local negligence on the part of the individuals who work within the building. In particular, again, the administrators who seem to be 100% hell-bent on image protection and always doing whatever they can to minimize a particular issue. Now, what was interesting was, is I even got some confirmation on this from Jesse James last week, late last week. It was kind of facetious, to be honest, because I was, I was mentioning this facetiously last week when I brought up this particular subject, but I said, wouldn't it be interesting, I said, if the school administrator or one of the school administrators, and of course there are many in, in numerous schools, in particular in individual schools, and certainly one this large, but um, wouldn't it be interesting, of course, if a particular administrator got on the PA system and sort of casually just warned that there might be a threat or that an individual, um, in particular the shooter at the time, was heading back to class and, you know, no need for anybody to panic because we didn't check anything and we didn't check their bags and we didn't frisk them and, you know, they have a history of, of violent drawings and certainly today, but anyway, they're they're sitting right next to you back in the classroom or maybe they're not. I don't know. Have a nice day. I think I said something like that. And I was just doing it, you know, kind of jokingly, but at the exact same time, it's that kind of unfortunate behavior that does take place. Well, as it turns out, apparently the school principal did come over the PA system back in November. Um, and I believe in the middle to end of November, and came on the PA system telling students that they don't need to be paying attention to social media, that there is no threat, that everybody is fine, that they need to stop worrying and stop contacting administration and XYZ. Again, I was being facetious when I was when I was mentioning that. As it turns out, it actually happened. So just more negligence and more proof of negligence. And again, that goes without saying at this point. But this particular article, which I want to breeze through here, it comes from michiganradio.org. And of course, there are numerous outlets that are reporting on this. And it has to do, again, with Michigan Democrats' push for gun magazine capacity limits. Now, one of the things that I mentioned earlier last week as well was, is in typical lockstep response to, to, to such an event, they can never let a good crisis go to waste, a la uh, Rahm Emanuel and, of course, Saul Alinsky. This is the Alinsky playbook as well, step by step, every single time. And if they can't get everything that they want in one giant package, which we know what that would be, and that's to completely disarm everybody. What they really want, though, beyond that, because they know that they'll be more successful, is slowly making inroads. And again, becoming that wave that just bashes up against the coast of freedom and erodes it one wave at a time. And what they're interested in is not just gun magazine capacity limits, which would, of course, turn Michigan into California, Illinois, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but they would love to have in-home gun control so that you have to have it in a locked case or you have to have it... Uh, 
you know, a certain height off of the ground so that individuals can't reach it. It has to be in a particular kind of locked case, whether it be, a, you know, fingerprint or a spin dial safe, whatever it may be. All of these little nuanced government freedom eroding inroads that they try to make are the real problem. And again, if they can't get what they ultimately want, then they'll try to check off a few boxes off of their list as much as they possibly can. So here's what the article says. It says, quote, a bill introduced in the House Wednesday, I'm sorry, in the State House on Thursday would limit gun magazines to no more than 10 rounds. Now think about that again. Most guns, as we know, if they're not revolvers, have at least 10 rounds. At least. There are many 12-round magazines, 15-round magazines, 17-round magazines. They just try to go for something in the middle, and then they can just further divide on either end. It continues here, and it says the alleged shooter emptied two 15-round magazines in five minutes, according to the Oakland County Sheriff. Advocates for the legislation said a 10-round limit could reduce deaths and injuries in gun violence incidents like the Oxford school shooting. Quote, uh, I tell you what, well, unquote first, this kind of stuff outrages me to no end. For all the obvious reasons, it's not gun violence, it's human violence. Guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's just repetitive over and over and over again. And I sound like a robot repeating this stuff because we've gone through this so many times with these freedom-stripping communists that call themselves Democrats. All right, sorry. The article continues. It says, quote, The time it takes for the gunman to reload a weapon could be the time of, for a victim to escape a shooter. I love all these scenarios, by the way, that they just, you know, that they make up along the way. If it was a 10-round magazine, they could dodge nine of the bullets, and, now, and then they would only be hit by potentially one of them. And maybe that bullet wouldn't kill them, it would just wound them. So it's the magazine differential that matters here, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Again, no sense whatsoever. If you give a gun to a Democrat, they'll look at you and say, is this a hammer? They have no idea how to even operate guns for the most part. Uh, let's see. This is so terrible. Give you enough time to escape a shooter. Could be the time for law enforcement or a bystander to intervene, said Sean Holian of the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence. Other gun control bills already introduced in the legislature but never acted on, include locked storage requirements and universal background checks. First of all, there are background checks. You can't buy a gun without getting a background check. Period. You have to check all the correct boxes. That runs through a system. That system comes back, says it checks out. This person checks out, no problem. For somebody to say that there aren't background checks when you buy a gun is dumb. Those people are stupid. And again, they probably don't own guns. Or they do, and they're just lying to people. It's probably a combination of a number of things. Uh, continues, Senator Rosemary Bayer, Democrat Beverly Hills, says she hopes the magazine capacity limit is a measure that can bridge the partisan divide over gun control in the legislature. Quote, so I'm asking all of my colleagues in the Senate and the House for a change of heart and mind and conscience, said Bayer, whose district includes Oxford. Quote, I'm asking for all of the empty chairs at Christmas tables this year. I'm asking for all the empty chairs at Christmas tables this year, for the love of God. Calling on the dead to uh, promote their 
freedom stripping legislation. I, I, I don't know the um, the number breakdown within the Michigan State Legislature. I'm not familiar with it, but I hope I hope this never passes. I hope this absolutely never passes. Again, William Cooper has written about this at length in his book, Behold a Pale Horse. And if you've never read the book and you'd like to listen to it, you can listen to it for free on BitChute. You can listen to that book, Behold a Pale Horse, free on YouTube. He clearly states it. I believe it's in chapter 12 where he talks about the government's role in disarming America and using school shootings, either real or manufactured, and being fake on the TV, but people believe that it actually happened. Again, or real school shootings, as the sole method for disarming Americans. This is all a, a, a scheme, a plan, and yes, it is a conspiracy. It is people who lie and conspire with one another to do very terrible things. Again, it's, it's basic lockstep with what exactly they have planned and what they've had planned for decades and decades and decades. And they're just going to keep doing it. And they're going to keep doing it until people understand that this is their plan. And it always has been. Now, with that said, there's also something else in the sort of midst of all of this that I think is worth bringing up, in particular when it comes to American education. And this is something that, you know, with a keen eye, you can pick up on this on a semi-regular basis because it happens with regularity. And again, it has to do with false flags and fake crimes where people essentially do either vandalism or call in bomb threats, which is an example I'm going to bring up here in a minute, or, or they, they, they just falsify some kind of an attack to make it sound like something happened and then blame it on other people when in fact they didn't. So I don't want to use the word hate crime, but they're, they're hoaxes. They're either race-baited hoaxes or they're race-related hoaxes or whatever they may be, just basic hoaxes. And those hoaxes are used on a variety of levels in a variety of environments, but we have to keep in mind that a lot of these occur within school settings. And whether that be, again, K-12 settings or university settings, and it's not a new thing either. This is something that's been going on really since the beginning of such well, since such institutions, in particular, when you have more and more diverse institutions showing up and individuals who have political motivations. So all of us at this point know of the Jesse Smollett hate hoax and all of that stuff. I mean, that was false. Uh, that was false and completely made up at face value. Anybody with a brain or the ability to just think and breathe could easily see that he was lying. And of course, use the media in an effort to perpetuate that lie. One of the other things that's very common within American K-12 schools, in particular when they are run by Marxists, and many of them are left-leaning Democrat Marxists, is they will fake their own crimes or hoaxes or hate hoaxes or whatever it may be in an effort to, I would say, not change opinions per se, but deflect and get people's, uh, get people's vision or thoughts off of one subject and onto another. And it's not, again, it's not uncommon. This happens in K-12 settings all of the time. 
uh, the, the number of bomb scares, quote unquote, that are called in or a note is left at uh, a, a front desk, you know, in the front office that says a bomb's going to go off or, or, you know, a fire is going to be set or this, that, or the other. The response that schools have to those things is never to find out who, in fact, did it. That's never the response. The response is always a reactionary response, which is something that I've mentioned numerous times in the past, that these environments and the people who work and run them are not proactive or preventative. They are reactionary. But if they're actually creating their own hoaxes, which again does happen, then they themselves, of course, are not really interested in being ethical or being morally sound, they're interested in deflecting from other illegality that they're engaging in and trying to get the public to not pay attention to that. Let me give you a couple of examples. When I was a junior in high school, there was a quote-unquote, but this is a while back now, 1998, there was a quote-unquote note that was left in the main office of the building of the high school where I was and that was all it took. And it just said, a bomb is going to go off at your school tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> you'd better let people know, you know, nothing can stop it, whatever the hell the note said. And it doesn't really matter. The response was, back then, very telling. Number one, this was before widestream internet. Yes, email existed, but there were no email databases. There was nothing where it was nothing like it was today, as you might imagine. Um, with that said, I remember coming home after hearing this and pretty much knowing that there's no way that anybody in this town could possibly create a bomb, let alone put it off in a building. They're just not that bright. So with all of that said, I had a huge smile on my face when I came home because I remember just looking at my mom and saying, Mom, a bomb's going to go off tomorrow at the school. If I go, I'm going to be blown to pieces. I'd better stay home tomorrow. And it was like a Friday, which was perfect. And that's usually when most bomb scares take place is usually on a Friday so people can get out of school and whatever else. And again, it's possible that it was a senior prank of some kind. Did they ever catch the person? Probably not. Um, they rarely ever catch these people <clears throat> because, again, it's not their prerogative to, to actually investigate and catch somebody because it's next to impossible to do so. The interesting part with all of this, and by the way, I mean, it worked. I ended up staying home, and a friend of mine and I uh, drove into the parking lot of the school, and we even walked into the front building and looked around, and no one was in the school. The parking lot was empty. Everybody pretty much stayed home. It was perfect. Uh, and I'm saying that with a smile on my face because, again, it's it, these kinds of uh, scare tactics are, of course, horrible, and I'm not saying that they're funny, but I am saying, again, that they should be taken seriously, but they aren't typically by the school because, again, at no point were parents or was there any kind of like chain of communication where parents received phone calls about what was potentially going to happen at the school or that they had received a threat or whatever. Again, the internet existed, but not in the capacity that it does today. So there was, again, no group email that was immediately sent out. There was no group text, nothing like that. If parents actually heard about it, they had to call the school, which my mom did, and they said, yeah, there was a note that was left, but we don't think anything is going to come of it, but we understand if you want to stay home and blah, blah, blah. And of course we did, and we loved it, and everything was fine. And no, there was no bomb, and nobody died, and whatever else. But 
these these hoaxes are actually carried out, ladies and gentlemen, by teachers and administrators themselves. That's my overall point here. And you have to keep that in mind because that does happen. They are they are capable of doing such things. And again, if somebody's listening to this and saying, that's absurd, they would never do such a thing. They would never call in uh, such a high-ranking felony on, on, on the entire school. And I mean, they could lose their job and that would, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that would never happen. To that person, I would say, you are remarkably naive and you don't understand the evil that does exist within these environments. Because again, if they're trying to deflect from other illegality that's going on, one of the easiest ways to do it is to call in a basic hoax of some kind. Again, writing on the walls in the bathroom, and then all of a sudden, um, they find themselves receiving funding or new professional development because of an uninvestigated, uh, whether it be, again, discriminatory in some, in some form or fashion, uh, vandalism, what, again, whatever it is, there's usually some kind of a uh, a crisis cleanup, quote unquote, that takes place that involves the the school receiving extra money for something related to that, and it gives somebody from the outside an opportunity to again infiltrate a K twelve environment. This is one of the things that does happen. So I came across this article highlighting a few. It comes from PJ Media, and I wanted to read a few of these because a lot of these, of course, occurred within colleges and universities, and they do happen with regularity. Uh, this first one highlights Providence College. It says, Black Providence College students were caught writing racial slurs on other people's cars, but not before uh, the closest thing to a perpetual motion machine. The outrage factory cranked up, and students demanded safe spaces. See? It's problem-solution. Manufacture the problem and then create the solution. Their problem, again, race hoax, racial slurs on cars. They did it themselves. What was their, uh, what was, what was their desired outcome? More safe spaces, which is actually discriminatory. And as we know, most safe spaces have to do with eliminating white people from particular environments. And we've seen those videos. I think the most recent video came out of Arizona State University, you may recall with two male white students minding their own business at a computer, and then they are bombarded by two minority students who, females, run up and start screaming at them that they're making the space unsafe. Not just because they're white, but because they had uh, pro-United States, pro-military stickers on the backs of their laptop computers. So again, problem, manufacture a problem, and then insert the predetermined solution. Here's the next one, East Carolina University. It says, quote, let's get whitey, seems to be the motivation behind a fake fraternity party flyer posted last August on social media that announced no blacks would be allowed. The black student who posted it was busted two months later. He probably won't be invited to any more parties, unquote. Again, this kind of stuff is, is very typical, and one has to ask themselves, who is it that is molding, I should say, or framing the minds of these individuals to actually engage in such crimes. And it is a number of things, as we know. It's the media, it's the professors, it's the, it's the K-12 teachers, it's the entire learning environment. 
It's what they're reading. It's what they're being told to read, what they're being asked to read, required to read, whatever it may be. It's warping them into, we have to break the law. We have to lie in order to create an environment that we believe is going to be quote unquote safer for us. When in fact, the entire thing is a giant charade. It is an actual Bolshevik tactic. It's an actual tactic that was implemented by Russian Bolsheviks over a hundred years ago. This is, this is just it. It's militant. This is exactly what they want among many teacher educators these days, is to, to again create them into being activists. And part of that quote-unquote activism is actually militant behavior. And yes, if you have to completely stage a, 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 some kind of a manufactured hate crime, and then, of course, lie all around it, do whatever you can to get it on tape, put it out on social media, people will be so stupid that they will believe it at face value without actually asking any real questions. And they know this. That right there, again, is part of their plan. They are, they are preying on the lack of intellect among countless individuals to actually do any real research as to whether or not the very thing that they manufactured is real or not. So to tie this back very quickly to the, the, the Michigan school shooting, we have to understand always that it's the Hegelian dialectic. It is manufacture a problem always, again, and if it's not manufactured and the problem is actually real, don't hold the, don't hold the individuals accountable who actually engaged in the wrongdoing or the negligence. Let's just make sure that we sweep in or swoop in, rather, with our desired political response, which is always to, again, erode Americans' freedoms one step at a time. Because, again, look at what all the jab business is doing. Look at, what, look at, look at how the schools have responded to all of the jab, shot, social distancing, mask-wearing nonsense. And, again, I know that last week in a L.A. County... California school district, there were teachers that were apparently providing pizza to minor students to bribe them to get the jabs. Again, that right there should show people the, the depths to which these demons will go to get their way. They're lying to children, they're bribing them, and then they're poisoning them without the parents' consent. Again, there's no depth to the depravity to which these people will go to get their way. But the response, too, from parents in some of these cases is remarkably alarming. And there was one, again, that popped up last week, and it, and it just blew by a lot of people's radars. But again, it's one of those things that I've commented on. It's a general theme I've commented on on a regular basis, and I wanted to bring it up again here. And again, this was last week, and it came from the Gateway Pundit. And again, the way that this is framed, I think, is, is, not, is not necessarily a good thing. I know that a lot of parents would view this as being a victory and a giant inroad and hip, hip, hooray for us. But um, I, I just don't view this as being a good thing whatsoever for a variety of reasons, of which, of course, you're, you're a smart crowd. You'll, you'll pick up on exactly what I'm talking about here. It's titled, Parents Unite! Exclamation point. Rock, Rockwood District Parents Walk Unmasked Children into School. And it says the following. 
It says Attorney General uh, Eric Schmidt called on Missouri families to report on schools that are violating the state's ruling by continuing to enforce a mask mandate on children. Now, again, this is fantastic. I mean, that part of it is great. And yes, these schools should be reported on. The, the interesting part with this story that, that I think is interesting is the parents and the students stood around. They took a photo op. They, they put it out on social media and they did what they did. But you have to keep in mind the environment that these parents are still sending their children to. This is the same environment that has been abusing their children this entire time year and a half. This is the same environment that the parents themselves have been allowing to abuse their children for a year and a half. And now that the Attorney General in Missouri has finally stepped up and said no more masks statewide in any school period, just like Governor DeSantis, of course, did a long time ago, there are still going to be holdouts. There are still going to be schools that are enforcing all of these um mask laws or mandates that they've put in place, and they're going to keep them in place because they want them in place, because they still want the control, number one, and they're so stupid that they can't read the directions on the side of a box of masks, where it clearly says, does not do anything, does not help anything, etc., etc. I've been over this numerous times. My problem will continue to be with the parents that consistently send them to the very, uh, degenerate environment, among other words, assuming that these environments and the people inside will change. The, uh, nothing will change if the people inside that are running them aren't removed and they don't change. Again, if the environment is still masking people, their employees, their students, whatever, at this point or this stage in the game, with all of the proof that exists, they are showing you that they are dumb. Why would you send your child to a dumb environment to quote-unquote learn and become intelligent? You can't do that. You just can't. It would be like sending somebody to a shithouse to get clean. It's not the way that it works. So, I'm, I, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of parents out there with a lot of different circumstances to bear here, but I'm looking at this picture of these children. And they're all of, of, of literate age. All of them can read, which again, I've brought that up in the past. I've brought up new, numerous scenarios of homeschooling environments that can exist, a number of different things that could take place. The question really becomes, are these parents really interested in being parents or not? Are they interested in actually teaching their own children that we are in a war and that there are life lessons always in a war. And I'll even go so far as to say this. I would, I, I would certainly hope that a number of parents during this time are looking at their children and saying the following, or something along these lines. I hope they're looking at them and saying, in particular regarding the jabs and the masks, mom and dad aren't going to be around forever. You're younger than we are. The odds of you living past us is relatively high. With that said, don't ever take any shots ever again for the rest of your life. Don't wear masks ever again. These are freedom-eroding behaviors that are purposefully taking place in our country, and the people who are participating in it are going along with the erosion and destruction of their own freedom. 
Don't ever submit. Don't ever give in. And feel free and judge anybody that's taking these jabs and wearing these masks because they know not what they're doing. They just don't know. If they actually knew and they actually had a conscience and wanted to read the facts, they would never be participating in these acts whatsoever. Having that conversation with children is important. It's just important. We cannot just assume that America's youth are not going to, um, or that America's youth are just going to blatantly or blindly understand what is going on now, and therefore they'll just understand what's going on in the future, and well, they'll figure it out when they're adults. No. The, the, the role and job of the parent, from where I sit, is to consistently educate the child on everything, keeping in mind again that their number one responsibility is to be a well-informed citizen. If they are a minor and a child, they are a citizen. If they are here legally, they are a citizen. That well-informed attitude can and should exist on a constant basis, in my humble opinion. So. That's kind of where I come out on that. I'll give you a perfect example, and this again continues with uh, my show notes here and the list of things that I have to discuss and I wanted to bring up. Again, one of the things that just very quickly darted past the news, no one really commented on it, uh, didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of attention. I tossed it out on my gab. Disclosed TV put out last week that Moderna is working on an mRNA flu shot. So that the flu shot in the future is going to have messenger RNA in it, which kills people. Been over this at length. So have countless individuals. Hijacks the RNA permanently, weakening your immune system and compromising you permanently. That's going to be in flu shots. Who are the primary recipients of flu shots among the most brain dead? Children and their brain dead parents consistently giving them flu shots on a year-in, year-out basis or bi-yearly basis or whatever, every five years, however they decide to do it. This, again, points to my previous point that I just made. Children have to be sat down by their parents. Knowledgeable in particular would certainly help. The unknowledgeable, you know, we, we, can't, we can't wake everybody up. And that's the, that's the unfortunate part of, of this psychological war that's taking place. But the knowledgeable parents have to sit down their young family members and their young siblings and, and whatever, uh, sons and daughters and whoever it is that has young children, and explain to them that very fact, what I just said about Moderna, that, these, that you have to be a no-shot family from here on out. And if you're not, you're going to pay a price. And the, all, that, that ultimate price, of course, is your life. But again, are people taking this into consideration? Are people actually having these conversations? Of course they are. They're having these conversations with their young children because they're well-informed and they know what's going on. And I might add, it's mathematically impossible that those conversations would not be taking place because they have to be taking place. They just have to. Stories like that come across my radar and I go, bang. And then I think to myself again, what are parents saying to their children? So I hope that they're telling them this. I hope that they're consistently bringing these things up to them. Because if they're not, again, the test of time is the only test that matters. And time runs out. And again, you cannot, it's been brought up again here numerous times, you cannot jab yourself into good health. 
So again, with this story regarding the parents, again, just to revisit it quickly, you know, marching our kids into this school when the state has lifted the mask mandates in all public schools, that's, that's great and dandy. Please never forget what the environment did to your child. They abused them, and you as a parent allowed it. Again, if you sent them into these environments to be abused, you allowed it. That's on you. I know that sounds harsh, and I know that there are numerous circumstances, but never discount or underestimate the power of rationalization. Because again, parents who just willfully toss their children into a government system to have government raise them, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a problem in and of itself. But if you take them back to the very environment that, that was abusing them the entire time, and now all of a sudden you're making a stance and saying, you can't abuse them anymore, ladies and gentlemen, they'll always find another way to do it. Again, they're doing it with the curriculum. They're doing it with the falsehoods that exist in textbooks. They're doing it with their games, gimmicks, and nonsense, their therapy dogs, and all their other bullshit. They do it a thousand different ways. So just because an inroad is made in a good way, think of the bigger picture and the larger environment. Again, self-governance is going to be the way that, that we win this war. It's not going to be expecting an environment to change because the people inside, they're not changing. They're remaining the same. So I've discussed, again, sort of an entire blitzkrieg of getting rid of school board members, superintendents, and running bulldozers straight through district offices. If that doesn't happen, ladies and gentlemen, nothing is really going to change. It's just going to be same old, same old, let's lull everybody back to sleep, and let's just assume that uh, you know we can go back to normal, and we can go back to the way that things were. Nothing is ever going to go back to the way that it was, nor should it. You see, they have their uh, the enemy has its own dystopian nightmare uh, projections of what they want the future to be. Ours, however, have to look into the past to find what worked in the past. And I'm talking like the way back, okay? One-room schoolhouse mentality, and school doesn't have to last eight hours a day like it does a work day. And you don't have to quote-unquote um, have learning last, you know, just within bells, Heaven forbid a child read a book all day long. You know, heaven forbid that happen. And heaven forbid that they actually believe and learn to actually learn and, and not just believe, but learn and understand that learning is a lifelong habit and that can take place all day long anytime they want. I'll give you another example again. Still on my show notes here, still rocking through things one subject at a time. And I'm trying to avoid reading some of these articles uh, you know, on a consistent basis back to back. But again, from last week, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court struck down the school mask mandate statewide. But we know what the response is. Again, that's a fantastic move. I, again, would simply ask, where in the hell was the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania a year ago? Where were they a year ago? Why did it take so long? If you have parents walking into school board meetings, with legal documents and striking down mask mandates overnight, when, where in the hell are, are, these, are these court systems? Well, it's simple. They're corrupt. They, they wring these, these corrupt washcloths and sponges of all of the money that they can get out of a particular subject before it finally goes stale and it starts to smell bad. And then they go, all right, the public is on to what we're doing. Now we'd better put forth some legal documentation that says that we're not going to do this anymore. But you're still going to have holdouts. 
That's the other thing, again, that's consistent and lockstep with what goes on in these states. Are they inroads? Absolutely. Is it a good thing? Overall, yes, because it's making the entire school systems in the state look like morons. And it really is. It's making them look dumb. But again, if you keep sending children to these set environments, you know, it's uh, it, it just requires a mirror sometimes to see who's who's the fool. So we can fool people all we want from time to time, but if you consistently send them back to set environments, who's the foolish one? And again, I know that that's harsh, and I'm not really name-calling. I'm simply saying that you have to learn the enemy's moves, and you have to learn what the enemy is doing and exactly what their plan is because they repeat themselves over and over and over again. And I've said it before, it's not history that repeats itself, it's behaviors. It's just behaviors. That's all. It's constant behaviors. So here's a piece of audio that I want to play. Two of them actually back to back. The first is a perfect example of what I've said in the past regarding buzzwords that are used. And again, it's a very quick, uh, just a few second explanation, but then I'm going to read through these actual buzzwords that this woman puts together on this whiteboard behind her because it's 100% accurate. And again, once I read these buzzwords for you, you've heard me say them and bring them up and highlight them on a regular basis throughout this entire podcast, as long as it's existed. But And I've brought up numerous examples of where I've heard it in conferences and XYZ. But again, ask yourself if you've heard them before and how often you're still hearing them to this day. Anytime you see these words, you're dealing with a program that that is part of the Build Back Better or the Great Reset or Inclusive Capitalism. They're trigger words that are understood by all of the people who are involved in this. They're also programming um, their corporate speak. They, the language is developed from global marketing firms like McKinsey, Deloitte, uh, all right, now I want to read through these words because, again, like I said, you've heard me say them before, but she's 100% accurate on this, and I absolutely love the way that she's laid this all out. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of some of these words, and again, I'll probably be repeating myself on where I've heard some of these. Of course, we hear them in the lexicon of the Marxists all of the time, but she has 10 words written on a whiteboard. The first one, sustainable. Sustainability and all of the variations of that word. We've heard it a million times, and we know who says it. And it's not us. We aren't the ones that say these words because these words mean nothing. They absolutely mean nothing. It's all communistic lingo. The second one, resilient. Now, this is one that's changed tune over the course of years. I've, I've even written about this in, in my books on a constant basis. The business of, well, children are resilient. They're resilient, they're resilient, they're resilient. The word resilience really means, in their own context, kicking the can down the road. That children can put up with anything. Abuse isn't a real thing. They won't be damaged in the future because they're abused as a child. Again, it normalizes a number of different horrific things that happen to minors. But the word resilient, again, almost means the exact same thing as sustainable also from a, uh, I would say from a corporate angle or, a, or a, a, um, a, a capitalist kind of angle, a business kind of angle. 
that it needs to be resilient, that it needs to be strong and it needs to, you know, be consistent and blah, 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 blah. And of course, they, they are the exact opposite, which is why they use these words. The third one, which makes me puke in my mouth, uh, equity. There's that one because they think it means equality. They know it doesn't mean equality, but they use the word equity anyway, which mean, again means everybody has the same thing all of the time. Not good. The fourth one, inclusive. The fifth one, innovation. I hate that word too. And again, unfortunately, in my graduate school program for my doctorate, the word innovation popped up all of the time. In fact, that was, part, that was one of the words in the actual program. The specialization was learning instruction, and then they threw on the word innovation. Well, what does that mean? I innovative regarding what? You see, those are the questions that people don't ask. Equitable regarding what? Inclusive for what? Pedophilia? Inclusive pedophilia, is that what you're interested in? Well, yes, as, as it turns out, they are interested in that. So they can never take it further than the word. They can never actually take it that far. However, we know what, what a lot of them have in store. Sustainable 5G, uh, resilient brainwashed minds of youth, equitable environments to create a, commun a communistic platform for everybody inclusive bathrooms so that everybody uses the same bathroom and we can intermingle all ages and all sexual proclivities. Innovation with um, the brainwashing, you know, oh, hell, artificial intelligence nonsense and the 5G radioactive nonsense and all of that. That's all part of it too. Here's the sixth word she has listed, collaboration. This one also drives me nuts. Because everybody will say it, and then I've always asked in the past, just like I do with all these other words, collaboration regarding what? Collaborative what? Well, we're collaborative here, and we just want to be collaborative, and we're a collaborative environment. And my first question, again, is always not just what, but regarding illegality? What, 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 if, what, what if illegal behavior takes place? Are we supposed to be collaborative on covering that up? And as it turns out, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what they do. This is where, again, in the word collaboration, this is where the word team player shows up. Are you a team player or aren't you? Team player for illegality, you mean? Th again, these are the kinds of things that they have no problem injecting into their own vernacular, but once they're questioned about it, then the person doing the questioning is the problem. The seventh word she has is accountable which of course is hilarious because the exact opposite thing happens in most of these K-12 and university environments when it comes to actual accountability. There isn't accountability. Again, when was the last time you saw school administrators go to jail for covering up illegal behavior? Rarely, which means accountability isn't actually happening. The eighth word, diversity. Disgusting, as far as I'm concerned. It's disgusting because they don't want diversity of thought. They want diversity on looks and skin color, and even then they don't want that either. The Marxist and the communist doesn't want that. All of these words mean the exact opposite in the heads of these Bolsheviks and, and what they actually have planned. And again, we know this, and I know that it's, you know, it sounds dreadful and it's uh, remarkably repetitive, but Consistently understanding, again, these words that they're using and what they really mean behind them is remarkably important.
because you can immediately point out a fraud based on the words that they're using. They're on book covers. They're in the titles of academic articles. They're all over the idiots on TV, et cetera, et cetera. The ninth word, leadership. Well, we're, we're leaders and we need to have leadership here. And the, the leadership here does this and the leadership here does that. It's a collective. It's a, it's a word that is used to define an inept collective. Because real leaders don't call themselves leaders. They don't have to. It's the actions that show that they're a leader. The tenth word she has written down is impact. That we have to make an impact. There has to be an impact. We need to do whatever we can to have an impactful environment so that we're making an impact on young Americans and young people and young minds. And of course, we know the word that K-12 leaders, I'm using finger quotes, will consistently say is we have to make an impact on our kids. The word kids, our kids, our kids, our kids, government's kids. See, huge problem. It's a huge, huge problem. Government doesn't have children, but it wants all children. And parents are unfortunately giving them up. And that's a big, big problem, which again is why self-governance has to continue to take place. You, this is another example. These 10 words are another example of why parents need to pull their children aside and educate them on what these words actually mean. We can train young minds into recognizing these bullshit words and what they actually mean. It's propaganda. It's just pure propaganda. And the more that we train, again, young minds going forward, both in the immediate today and for tomorrow, to figure out these words in a, in a, on a battlefield, frankly, on the battlefield of war, we're training them to be qualitative reasoning and analysis experts. We're training them to recognize the way that words are used and manipulated to ultimately uh, manipulate the human mind. And unfortunately, it's remarkably effective, and it happens with regularity. There's another example, too, of word manipulation, which is going to lead right into this last audio clip that I want to play. And then I want to read uh, just one more anonymous post here regarding the jabs and how, unfortunately, it truly is the jabbed, of course, that are becoming more and more ill as time goes on here. Um, and again... We don't need the six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon, so to speak, in order to know someone who has become remarkably ill as a result of being jabbed, and then they're wondering why they're getting ill, because they just don't know what's going on. Um, one, one of the word ma uh, manipulation things that consistently is, is said and used has to do with the word broadband and internet access and 5G and increasing connectivity, quote-unquote, to more broadband and more internet access and, and you name it. Um, it's, it's all designed to, again, manipulate an individual into believing that they're going to be receiving quicker internet and quicker technological information in a shorter amount of time. That's a complete lie. None of that is true. It's all designed, again, to put up more 5G towers, in particular around schools. And, I, and I'm going to revisit this subject again, too, just briefly here before I play this audio, which again shows that 5G is radioactive. This is something that's being studied at the academic level. And thank God for it. Because, again, even the FDA in court has come out and said 
we cannot prove that 5G is healthy for people. We can't prove it's healthy for people, and we cannot prove that it doesn't damage people. Because it does. Again, it's radioactive. Walk up to it with an EMF reader and watch what find you know, watch what happens. You can buy an EMF reader on Amazon for 30, 40 bucks. Takes one battery and you're off and running. You can you can read whatever you want in your own house, in your own neighborhood, or just walk up to a 5G tower and watch the thing shoot up, you know, just explode in your hand, basically. The point is, is that school districts are using the word broadband and that we want to increase broadband connectivity and internet access, quote-unquote, um, to, to all of our students so that they have a endless learning opportunity and whatever. What they're doing is, is they're frying their brains by putting iPads and computers in front of them on a constant basis that they can't escape in an environment that's filled with endless appliances and endless wireless, quote-unquote, connectivity. That is remarkably unhealthy. And again, that's putting it mildly, but it's remarkably unhealthy to say the least. So this particular article is from the Reese Report. You'll recognize his voice. He puts out excellent little reports in in short videos, and he highlights an academic paper again, because again, this is something that's being studied at the academic level. But it's very, very telling, I think. And I could use their own words against them when it comes to sustainability and innovation. They think that implementing such things is innovative and sustainable when, in fact, it's deadly. I'm Beverly Rubick from the College of Integrative Medicine and Health Sciences in California and Robert Brown from the Department of Radiology at Hammett Hospital in Pennsylvania, recently published online at NIH.gov provides scientific evidence that 5G played a role in the COVID-19 pandemic. The authors began their research based on the correlation between COVID-19 and international communities that recently established 5G networks. COVID-19 began in Wuhan, China in December 2019, shortly after 5G had gone live on October 31st. Outbreaks soon followed in areas where 5G had been implemented. In May of 2020, Vladimir Mordachev reported a statistically significant correlation between the intensity of RF radiation and the mortality from SARS-CoV-2 in 31 countries throughout the world. Cases and deaths were statistically higher in states and major cities with 5G infrastructure. What the authors of this study found was that both 5G and COVID cause deleterious effects on red blood cells and reduced hemoglobin levels. They both cause oxidative stress, cellular damage, and organ damage. Low levels of 5G can compromise the immune system, and daily exposure produces immunosuppression or immune dysregulation, including hyperactivation. 5G exposure enhances the infectivity of COVID and contributes to its inflammatory processes and thrombosis. Both 5G and COVID-19 can cause and complicate cardiac disorders. The authors present their work as evidence that 5G may have exacerbated the COVID pandemic by weakening host immunity and increasing SARS-CoV-2 virulence. Many of us reported on this over a year ago, 
and were silenced as conspiracy theorists. Officially, we are told that 5G is necessary for the future Internet of Things, a world run by artificial intelligence in which humanity no longer matters. But why would we trust anything from these globalist criminal parasites? I think he has it all wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I actually think it's about being inclusive and equitable. Yes, that's it. It has to do with uh, accountability and collaboration, diversity, leadership, and of course we have to make an impact in a sustainable, resilient way. See how stupid that sounds? <laughs> I mean, you see how dumb that sounds? The, the, again, those are the words that they will use to justify their implementation of all of this. And I know that I'm being repetitive when I say this, but I did bring this up a while back, probably a year ago. This was, again, the move that they made when they first closed the schools down. That wasn't an accident, because as the schools were closed down, they knew that they were going to start to receive federal funds. And even if they were receiving it or not, many of them still had contracts to put in 5G in or around their school environments while the schools were closed down. And there's a lot of, again, a lot of that footage of people driving by schools and saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, I thought the school was supposed to be closed. You're not wearing your mask. And yet it's people implementing 5G within the actual school itself. So they don't have to be, again, those giant towers that you see. They can be smaller units that are actually placed within the school building itself. Are they radioactive? Yeah, they certainly are. They, are un they give off electromagnetic waves that are remarkably unhealthy. But again, if a person can't even grasp that general fact, okay, your average pediatrician isn't going to be able to grasp that, that specific fact. If they can't grasp that, then they're not going to be able to grasp the larger scheme at play, which is too bad. This is why the patriots like us have to go backwards into a direction of education, homeschooling, and, and honest to God, just real lessons of how to live a moral and sound life as best we can, as opposed to their scheme, which is to lead people down a path of degradation that is just going to get worse and worse and worse with time. We know what their plans are. We can see it. Now we have to teach youth about it and teach youth about what their, what, what their scheme is. Because again, if we don't, they're going to get wrapped up in it. And we're already seeing that, which is unfortunate. Now, here's the last thing I want to read. And I have permission to read this. And this is from our wonderful New Mexico elementary school teacher who has been a guest on the podcast on a couple of occasions. And they emailed me to give me an update as to what's going on with both them, their employment, and their school district and the way that they're now being treated. And I wanted to read this because, again, there are a lot of positives in this as well. And this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is a perfect example of an American who's taking a stand and saying no, because it's that right there that is going to be the one thing that stops all of this. She says the following. She says, Hi, Sean. As you know, I'm famous for long-winded emails, so I'll try to keep this short. Uh, we can visit more if you'd like, but I just wanted to let you know that I am more than likely losing my job and not returning to school after Christmas break because I refuse to comply with the mandatory weekly testing. As you were aware, I told you that I received an email from the superintendent before we let out of Thanksgiving telling me to make sure that I take the test. 
Well, I didn't reply to his email and just let it go. Last Monday, November 29th, our first day back, he comes to my class, interrupts my lesson, pulls me out, and says, quote, Did you receive the email about taking part in the testing? I said, Yes, I did, quote unquote. He said, quote, Can you please take care of that? It's not an option, unquote. I said, Sure. Then he says, quote, I noticed you've not, you're not wearing a mask, and most of your students aren't either. I thought you had a break at this time. I will be back this afternoon, unquote. He and the principal showed up at my only break of the day, and he basically said, do it or you're fired. He kept saying, quote, it's not optional, and quote, it's a condition of employment, unquote. I told him I am aware of the consequence. I handed both of them those two pages you sent me, and he was glad I did my research, quote-unquote. And what I handed her, ladies and gentlemen, was um, some information from Dr. David Martin regarding the mask wearing and how it's this entire thing is an illegal, uh, giant human experiment that is taking place, again, without anyone's consent, and that the masks absolutely do nothing, and it's easily provable that they do nothing. But as we know, they don't care about facts. Uh, It continues, and she says, He asked why I haven't been doing it, and I said I feel that it's discrimination and that it's unconstitutional. He talked at me, and and I sort of let it out all by explaining why I disagree with the mask wearing and other things. I also said, I just wish people would use common sense. I even brought up the fact that local school boards have the authority to make policies that defy the governor using Florida as an example. He said, no, we don't have that authority. Okay, well, I guess he needs a lesson in civics then. Nothing was received well because these people do not have a brain. Like I said before, the new school board members take over in January, but I heard the current board isn't even letting them on current meetings and won't give them any information until their first meeting. I think they are trying to protect him. Uh, She continues, My principal asked to meet me after school, and he pretty much just defended him because he's my best friend, and he said, quote, I had to. She's referring to, of course, the principal and the superintendent's relationship. I am confident now that it was he who turned me in for not wearing a mask, uh, still could be the nurse, who, but who cares? Because, again, she suspected the nurse also uh, as potentially turning her in for not getting tested and wearing the mask. She says the following. Uh, he said he's quitting the job that he loves because of how people have treated him, the superintendent she's referring to. Of course, she also stated in the past, too, that the superintendent's on his way out anyway and is going to be voted out most likely once the new board takes over. So he's just quote-unquote, retiring before he gets fired. Uh, She continues and said, He said he doesn't want to lose me. I'm a great teacher. And all that nonsense. And he understands that I have my beliefs and values and to think about it. I signed my contract with my mind already made up. I just didn't think this would really happen, to be honest. So I wait until last Friday, since testing is every Monday, to let my principal know that I would not be changing my mind, and I am aware of the consequences. He replied, thanks for letting me know, and I will talk to him. 
Uh, it didn't say the words, I quit. So I guess I still don't really know if I'm fired or not. He said, I promise nothing will happen before Christmas. Now, before I finish this email, that's, and I, I told her this, I believe, over email because we were bouncing back and forth. I basically said, anytime that an administrator says nothing will happen before Christmas, what that usually means is, is that they're waiting for the school to close. And then you'll receive a random phone call that says you've been let go or you've been terminated. Or maybe you've you know been told to change buildings or whatever. See, HR departments love doing that. They love sh they love shocking people or trying to catch people off guard by catching them on a vacation to let them know that they're not returning. It's really low down, dirty stuff, but it's a potential. It's something that might happen. But then again, fortunately, she doesn't care. It, they're a hundred percent set up to uh, to homeschool their children, which is great. Um, let's see. She continued here and said, yesterday I received another email from the super stating to reply right away with the reason why they don't have a record for my results for the week of November 29th. I have not replied, frankly, and I don't even know what to say. During my talking to, uh, he did say there were others, but they caved after the initial email and got the testing done. My friend next door also told me there's another teacher in my building who has been doing the spit test at home but hasn't been turning in her results, and he emailed her as well. I think she and I need to get together for some drinks. She continued and said, so I'm kind of in limbo, but I don't know, but I do know that I do not have plans for returning after Christmas. My husband gets a merit raise every year because he's a badass and he's making pretty good money now and he's 100% on board with me staying home should I choose to. I also have an update on Wuhan Luhan, our governor. Three counties, now 22, are working on the same thing. There's 33 counties in New Mexico. Submitted a petition to convene a grand jury for investigation. Well, two out of the three judges from the counties tipped her off and now she's trying to seal all the documents that prove malfeasance. So those of us who signed the petition had to sign a citizen's response letter to a judge stating we do not want these documents to be sealed. I got a message this morning that said the Supreme Court has not filed those letters. In her most current public health order on December 2nd, she required the jab for all health workers, all healthcare workers, even though federal judges have halted that in several states. Now it's all states. Uh, quote, she's trying to, she's trying everything she can to cover her butt because she knows she has many things to hide. A judge did find, however, that she used the COVID cash funds incorrectly, and that was brought forth bipartisan. Things are about to get very interesting, I think, unquote. Again, this is an example of an American teacher who needs to be commended. They aren't taking the faulty test which is only being done once a week, that's embarrassing in itself. If it was so accurate why, and you're so concerned with quote-unquote COVID and a quote-unquote pandemic, why aren't you doing it on a daily basis? Oh, that's right. Because it's just about eroding those inroads again. Just more washing away of freedom. But this is a perfect example of a patriot who's just said no. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not taking the jabs. I've been going to work not wearing the masks on a day-in and day-out basis and basically looking at the establishment and saying, make me, because you can't make me. So what I told her was this. I simply said, make them fire you. 
If they're already telling you that they're going to fire you, just make them. Make them write it out on a piece of paper. Don't ever sign it. Just make them. Just make them. And then you'll have that moving forward for any potential lawsuit. And I certainly hope that she, again, does her legal homework and comes to the conclusion that, uh, you know, that there might be good lawyers out there that are willing to take this on, of course, without breaking the bank, which is, which is what I suggested to her. So uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's an example of a win. And if that's just one person, you'd better believe it's happening all over the place. So with that said, that'll conclude this particular episode, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.